During the time when God sent judges to help Israel, there was a woman named Hannah. Hannah really wanted to have children, but was unable to. One day, she was so sad about this that she burst out crying and praying to God to give her a son. One of the priests of Israel named Eli was nearby and heard her and assumed she was drunk. How long are you going to stay drunk, he said to her. Put down your wine. Hannah explained that she was not drunk, but weeping and praying for God to give her a son. When he heard this, he prayed that she would indeed have a son. Soon after, Hannah became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel. When he was a young boy, she brought him back to Eli, the priest, and the two of them prayed that God would use Samuel. One night, when Samuel was a little older, God spoke to him in his room, telling him about things that would happen in Israel in the future called prophecies. This was the beginning of a special relationship between God and Samuel. God would use Samuel to speak to the Israelites over and over as a prophet. But the Israelites weren't satisfied with the prophet. They wanted a king, a military ruler, like the other nations around them had. Despite Samuel's warning against it, they demanded God give them a king. Eventually, God told Samuel who to make king. A man named Saul, who was easily a foot taller than any other man, someone the Israelites would trust to lead them. Samuel brought Saul in front of all of Israel. When the Israelites saw him, they shouted, Long live the king! Hearing that Israel had a new king, the Philistines gathered a huge army so large that some of the Israelites ran away in fear. But Samuel gave instructions to Saul that would lead to their victory. He told Saul to wait in a region called Gilgal until he could meet him there. Then they would give a sacrifice to God before the battle with the Philistines. But Saul grew impatient, and before Samuel got there, he offered the sacrifice himself. Saul's actions had terrible consequences. He continued to choose to go against what God commanded, and instead build up his own wealth and power, leading to the end of his rule in Israel. It was time for another king. Around our house, there's a game we play with the kids. It's better than Uno. It's better than Phase 10. It's this game that we call, Mom, I can't find it. And Tyler and I, as the resident males in the household, apparently really like this game because we play it several times a day. Here's how it goes. We lose something, and one of us looks minimally for it, normally about three seconds or so. And then after we can't find it, we say, Mom, I can't find it. And this is where everything happens. Inevitably, she responds by saying, where did you leave it last? Which is kind of a dumb question if you think about it. If we think about that, like, well, uh... And so that leads us to the response, which is just, uh... I don't know. And here's where it gets suspenseful. 
Because in rapid-fire succession, my wife ends up rattling off several probing and often insulting questions with the, that, that require one response for us. So she goes through, and she says, did you look for it on the couch? Did you look for it in the living room? Did you look for it in the car? Did you look for it in the room? I don't even know how she talks that fast. But she averages about one question a second for 20 consecutive seconds. Now, she doesn't need to leave the room for our response because the answer to these questions are always an emphatic, no, we didn't look there. Then it's our turn to go look for another 10 seconds, after which we say, Mom, I still can't find it. And this is followed by Kristen rolling her eyes. This is the type of eye roll that you can hear from the next room over. And then after that, she rather heavy-footedly comes to help us look. I would call it stomping, but I know better, okay? And then, inevitably, she uses her mom superpowers to choose one of the 20 places that she named off. And inevitably, it is always the first place that she looks for it at. She is very good at this game, folks. But she is not a very gracious winner because every time that she finds it, she looks at us and scolds us after she wins. I've got to have a talk with her about this. My guess is, is you play a similar game in your house with things, don't you? There's been these times where you think, I can't find it anywhere. And a lot of it comes down to how closely you're looking for it. The problem is that even though we're looking for something, we're not looking very carefully for it. And that's the problem that we run into today as we start this new series called Three Kings, where we look not at the three wise men, but at the three first kings of Israel, Saul, David, and Solomon. And the problem here is that Israel wanted a king. They wanted a ruler. They were being ruled by judges, and there was this guy named Samuel, just like it showed on the video. He was getting old, and his sons weren't exactly good human beings, so leaders of Israel decided they wanted a king, but they weren't looking very careful for one. You know, we'd probably be wise to remember this lesson. Be careful what you're looking for, because you just might find it. What is it you're looking for in your life? Are you looking for the things that God calls us to look for? Or are you calling for the things that... The world calls us to look for because there's a huge difference and whatever you're looking for there's a pretty good chance you're going to find it and be careful be careful what you're looking for so here's the first thing that we see in first samuel chapter 8 verses 4 and 5 they just got after samuel because his sons aren't trustworthy and so they they didn't want their sons to be a king uh, or, or a judge and so it says in 8.4.5, it says, So all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah. They said to him, You are old. That's a great starting line there, isn't it? And your sons do not follow your ways. Now appoint a king to lead us such as the other nations have. Such as all the other nations have. And so here we see the first thing that we need to be careful of is that are you looking for the ways of the world or the ways of God? Because Israel was supposed to be different. They were supposed to have God as their one true king. And yet they're looking at all the other countries and say, well, wait a second, all these people have kings. How come we can't have a king too? So what's your standards? Are your standards the ways of the world or are they the ways of God? 
I heard it said this way this past week. Are we, as the church, transforming culture? Or is the culture transforming us? I think you look at so many different things in our culture. You look at how wealth and the desire for materialism, how that has crept into the church, how that shapes us and transforms us. You look at the power of the world and when it gets loose in the church, how it can be abused, how it can cause so much harm. And you look at the sexuality of the world and you see the harm that can come upon people when they seek to follow the ways of the world as opposed to the ways of God. So I ask you this morning, are you following the ways of the world or the ways of God? The next thing we see comes from 1 Samuel 8, verses 6 through 9. It says, But when they said, Give us a king to lead us, this displeased Samuel. So he prayed to the Lord, and the Lord told him, Listen to all the people are saying to you. It is not you they have rejected, but they have rejected me as their king. Wow. That, that's, that's quite an indictment, isn't it? It's not you they have rejected. It's me they've rejected. Is there an area of your life where you're rejecting God? And it says, as they have done from this day, I brought them up out of Egypt until now, forsaking me and serving other gods, so they are doing to you. Now listen to them, but warn them solemnly, and let them know that the king who will reign over them will claim his rights, will claim as his rights. In other words, the king, the king is going to tax you heavily in order to pay for a palace and everything else. Are you sure you're ready for that? We never have like taxes as human beings, have we? But here we see in this passage that they were choosing the physical over the spiritual. When they were choosing to reject God, they were choosing to say, we want a physical image. This is their history, isn't it? Remember when Moses was up on Mount Sinai, when he was up getting the Ten Commandments, when he came back down, what was it they had done? They had made a golden calf. They had made an idol to bow down and worship. And in many ways, when they're seeking out a king, that's exactly what they're doing. They're seeking out an idol to worship. They're seeking out the, spirit, the physical rather than the spiritual. Are you looking for the physical over the spiritual? Because if you're looking hard enough, that's probably what you're going to find. In 1 Samuel 9, verses 1 and 2, we see the introduction of Saul. There was a Benjamite, a man of standing, whose name was Kish, son of Abiel, the son of Zeror, the son of Bechtoroth, the son of Appiah, of Benjamin. I probably mispronounced every one of those. Verse 2, Kish had a son named Saul, as handsome and young as a man, as handsome a young man as could be found anywhere in Israel, and he was a head taller than everyone else. I like to call this Saul dark and handsome right here. But we see that the Israelites were looking for appearance over character. They saw his handsome nature. They saw how he was a head taller than everyone else. And they thought, this is the guy for us. Look at him. Saul could have been a leading character on the Kardashians. He was that good looking. And he was about that spiritual and faithful too. 
Are you looking for appearance over character? Is there an area of your life where you're just happy with glossing over on the surface? An area where everything, as long as it looks good, but things underneath can be corrupt and falling apart. Everything can be going great on the surface, but underneath there's a corruption there that will cause everything else to fail. Are you looking for appearance over character? Be careful what you're looking for. You're bound to find it if you look hard enough. Well, let's talk a little bit about Saul, shall we? There's some contrast in the story that set us up for next week's king that we'll look at, King David. First of all, we see that Saul was a donkey herder, as opposed to David, who was a shepherd. Do you think that donkey herders and shepherds might treat things a little bit differently? Yeah, yeah. A donkey herder is going to be one who is rather forceful, isn't he? While a shepherd calls a sheep by name. And when we're first introduced to Saul, his father's donkeys have all run away. And Saul is sent out to look for the donkeys, but Saul cannot find them. And while he's in the process, this failed attempt to find his father's donkeys, who somebody else winds up finding, this is when Saul is first anointed, or it's first prophesied, that he will be the next king. Can you imagine that? He can't even find his own donkeys, and now he's going to lead a people, a whole country. And when Saul is finally chosen as king before the people, they select him through this process that Samuel led. But when they call out for Saul, he's nowhere to be found. And somebody says, well, wait a second. He's back there. He's hiding in the supplies. I, I don't know what that, the supplies look like, but he's hiding back there in the storage closet. He's hiding back there. I, I just had to take a flight yesterday. The big piles of luggage at the airport. He's back there hiding behind the luggage. He's back there. He's tall, but it's hard for him to hide. But that's where he's at. But unfortunately, what happened here is Saul's humility, his lack of self-esteem, you could say, is something that he made up for in his own life by looking inwardly rather than looking to God. And I think there's a lesson in here for all of us because the reality is, is we all are going to struggle with our self-esteem at some point. We all are going to struggle with our confidence. We all are going to struggle with the way that we're wired. And as we struggle with that, the world will tell us to look inwardly, to find that inner strength. And oftentimes, we just wind up becoming a lot more arrogant at the end of it. That's what happened to Saul. But what we see happening with David and with others is that they didn't look inwardly, but they looked to God himself. They found their strength, their identity, their purpose in Him. And because they did that, they became more like Christ. They kept their humility, but were strengthened in their identity of who they were and what they were called to do. Well, here's where things start to go south for Saul. In 1 Samuel chapter 13, we see that he was supposed to be waiting for Samuel to offer an offering. And yet Saul got impatient. He got fearful. So he decided to offer this himself, what Samuel was supposed to be doing, what was reserved for him as a priest. So it says Saul remained at Gilgal, 
and all the troops with him were quaking with fear. He waited seven days, the time set by Samuel, but Samuel did not come to Gilgal, and Saul's men began to scatter. So he said, bring me the burnt offering and the fellowship offerings. And Saul offered up the burnt offering. Just as he finished making the offering, Samuel arrived, and Saul went out to greet him. What have you done? asked Samuel. You have done a foolish thing, Saul said. You have not kept the command of the Lord your God have given you. But he, if you had, he would have established you. Uh, he would establish your kingdom over Israel for all time. But now your kingdom will not endure. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart and appointed him ruler of his people because you have not kept the Lord's commands. I love this. We talk about this, David being a man after God's own heart, but it didn't actually come from the Lord to David. It actually came to Saul instead. The Lord has sought out, for, sought out a man after his own heart. A man, when the world's looking for who they're going to select, the world's looking for that tall, dark, handsome, talented, wealthy. But I'm telling you, that the Lord's still looking for hearts. The Lord's still looking for your hearts. And if you will seek Him with all of your hearts, you will find Him. And you can find your purpose in Him. You can find your strength in Him. And so what nobody else may notice is what we need to focus the most on is making sure that our hearts are transformed to become more like Christ. Because at the end of the day, We've got to make sure what we're looking for is what God wants. Because whatever we're looking for, there's a pretty good chance we're going to find it. What if what we're looking for isn't what God wants? Two things about Saul that we need to understand. First is that he had confidence in himself instead of faith in God. At the beginning of the story, we see that zero level of confidence that he had. But by the end of the story, we see him... In fact, it says in 1 Samuel 15, 12, it says, Saul has gone to Carmel. There he has set up a, a monument in his own honor. Now, up to this point, any monuments, or what they call an Ebenezer, would be like a, a, a stones that were piled up in remembrance of what God had done. And here we see that Saul decides to set one up in his own honor. This is like carving your own face in Mount Rushmore. This is just one of those things. How arrogant do you have to be to do that? So here he has, he's gone from a nobody who thinks he's a nobody to a somebody who thinks he's a somebody instead of remembering that he's only a somebody because of God. Saul had confidence in himself instead of faith in God. The second thing we see is that Saul chose what was popular over what was right. It says here in verse 24 of chapter 15, Then Saul said to Samuel, I have sinned, I have violated the Lord's command and your instructions. I was afraid of the men, so I gave in to them. I was afraid of the men. You're the king. Why are you afraid of the men? They're there to follow you. They're the ones who are loyal to you. And yet here was Saul. I was afraid of what they'd think. Isn't that amazing? 
We all have our insecurities. Every one of us. And sometimes our insecurities are that of what people will think. What will they think? And in leadership, we can feel that pressure more and more. We can feel that stress of wanting people to respect us and honor us. To look up to us. But at the end, all we're supposed to be is spiritual leaders who point people to God. So we look in the right places. We look to Jesus. And Saul chose what was popular over what was right. And that's what cost him. And because of that, the kingdom of God was taken from him. I'm convinced of one thing here, and that is that before our hearts actually want what God wants, we have to experience the brokenness of our desires. There's something about us that as human beings, I wish we didn't have to do this, but we have to go out and we have to find, we have to seek out some of our own ways instead of God's ways. Now, I'm not giving this of advice. I'm not telling you to do this. I'm just pretty sure we've all done it already, correct? Because what we're looking for, we're bound to find. But we're bound to find that it's empty in the end. Before our hearts want what God wants, we have to experience the brokenness of of our desires. Can I ask you, what is it you're looking for today? What is it that more than anything else that you're chasing after? Because the Bible gives us a very different depiction of who we ought to be chasing after in Jesus Christ. In a prophecy made some 300 years after the time of Saul, Isaiah gives us this prophecy that seems so contrary to the ways of Saul and contrary to the ways of this world. In Isaiah 53, verse 2, it says, He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to Him. Nothing in His appearance that we should desire Him. We often have these pictures of Jesus where He's this rather, He looks like He belongs on the face of the cover of of a, uh, of a novel or something, you know, like a romance novel. The reality is, is Jesus is probably more prone to have acne than He was to have beautiful skin. He was probably more prone to having a disfigured face than he was to having a beautiful one. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain, like one from whom people hide their faces. He was despised and we held him in low esteem. Can you imagine what Jesus' Facebook page would have looked like with all the comments about what they would have said about him? Can you imagine all the ruckus that would have been whenever things didn't go their way? Because the crowds, they loved to follow Jesus until he got down to preach real tough, right? Here we have Jesus despised and rejected by mankind. A man of suffering, familiar with pain. But look what he does in verse 4. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. And the punishment that brought us peace was upon him. 
And somehow, somehow, by His wounds, we are healed. Church, be careful what you are looking for. If you are looking for the right things, I promise that you'll find them in Christ alone. Let's pray. Father, your ways are not our ways. Your ways are so far from our ways as human beings. And so we come to you with humble hearts, confessing and acknowledging to you that so often we've been chasing after what we want. We've been looking for the things of this world rather than things that are of you. Forgive us and heal us. Jesus, we look to you, the one who was despised and rejected, the one who bore our suffering, the one who bore the punishment for sin. We look to you who had no beauty or majesty to attract, even though you are the most majestic one now. And we pray, Lord, that we can become more like you by laying down our lives for our neighbors. We pray, just like David had a heart that sought after you, that we too can have a heart that seeks after you, Lord. Teach us that humility. As painful as it can be, Lord, make us more like you. May we look for you in the right places. In Christ's name, amen.